I believe if it were up to us, the road to heaven would be difficult, in fact, impossible. But God has made it pretty easy to go to heaven, as we'll see next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Look at world religions and you begin to realize just how convoluted the road to heaven can oftentimes be. Yet God has made it about as simple as simple can be. Hi, welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We're continuing our series, Israel's Past, Present, and Future. Today has us in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15, as we take a look at how easy it is to get to heaven and the fact that God has made it that easy. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program. I'd like for you today to imagine that you're unsaved. Have any of you ever been unsaved? How many were ever unsaved? Good, good. Uh, Sometimes you don't want to forget it. Uh, Howard Hendricks used to say he always went to the Dallas Cowboy locker room to hear a little cussing to remind himself that he used to be unsaved. Church can get stuffy. And so it's good to be, many of you have secular jobs, so you hear plenty of cussing, plenty of wrong, to know there's a difference between you and those you work with. But I want us to look today at Romans, what he's trying to get over to the Jewish people, but it's for all of us, of how easy God has made it to be saved. And uh, on one hand, uh, I was bothered by the term easy. It, it, it sounded sacrilegious to me, and so I talked to the Lord about it. And, and what I want to clarify, what was hard for God to accomplish, and only God could, he's made it easy for us to receive. That's what we mean. And I just want to review the two righteousness that were battling for the people of Israel. One was a righteousness that we can attain if we're good enough, if we perform good enough, which perfectionists love, which uh, the real nice people love, and the righteousness of God that he offers to anyone, no matter how good, how bad, ethnicity, gender, doesn't matter. He's done the hard part. And he's just asking us to come and do the easy part. And we want to show you how easy. Let's imagine that you're not a believer right now and you'd never heard the gospel. And you heard about people at your synagogue that were getting saved or people who had left the uh, Gentile pagan court of maybe uh, Diana, uh, the god, goddess of Ephesus. You hear these Gentiles turning from temple and pagan temples. You hear Jews turning from synagogue. And you say, what is going on? What is going on? It was the conflict of two approaches to God. One became man-made. The other is the God-revealed way to know Christ. And uh, let me first of all deal with the impossible way, the impossible way to ever be right with God. Uh, you want to memorize this because some of you have lived on this. And let me tell you the impossible way. 9.30 of Romans. I reach back. I just want to read 9.30. What then shall we say? 
that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as it were by works. Let me ask you this. How was Abraham ever justified before God? He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Rome, or Genesis 15, 6. He quotes that in Romans 4. Your father Abraham, while he was yet ungodly, believed God, and at that point, God declared him to be right in his sight by faith, right? Now his people are claiming this racial connection to him, and somewhere along the line, they've picked up the works They picked up the commands of the law, and apart from faith, but in sincere, zealous, all-out effort, they have sought to please God by keeping the commandments. Apart from trusting God to do it, we can do it. And matter of fact, we can add about a thousand more rules on top of the ones that God gave Moses. We've got a rule for everything. You can't spit on the Sabbath because that's irrigation. Josephus. Uh, If a baby is too active in the womb on the Sabbath, the baby will be born with an affliction because they worked on the Sabbath. On and on and on. Every kind of rule for every kind of situation. And imagine just trying to keep Moses, let alone all these others. Then you come down here to 10.5. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things, and let me qualify, who perfectly carries out these things will live by them. If you obey the law and you can carry it out, you potentially could have eternal life and have a status of being right before God because you passed in flying colors. You obeyed, you obeyed. Now, that just makes you want to sign up. How many people would even want to sign up to try this? And yet Israel did. And they went after it. And you know what? It's not only Jews. There are devout Muslims who can be suicide bombers, who could do anything for Allah. There are devotees of every religion under the sun whose sincerity would make them martyrs, who would outdo us in works 10 to 1, trying to earn something because it always makes sense. You only get something when you work for it, right? God only blesses those who work hard. But you know, we like to teach, you better be good. You better be nice. Santa's coming to town. And he knows if you've been good, and he knows if you've been bad. We grow up with this. You're rewarded for good, and there is that sense ethically. There's no question about it. But to have this righteousness before God, Israel, number one, sought it not by faith, but by the best of the human effort. Two, they sought to be right with God while going around Christ. They stumbled over him. Christ was an offense. They wanted a king. They didn't want an atonement. We've got atonement. 
We've got animal sacrifices. We've got the Levitical priesthood. We've got temple. We've got tabernacle. No, no, no. We don't need an atoning Isaiah 53 Messiah right now. We need God to show his strong arm and defeat the Gentile powers. Kick them out of Palestine. Sit on the Davidic throne. And God, exert your muscle to show that we are your people. And why would you not want that if you had been under the heel of Rome so long? I cannot blame them. But their bigger problem was not foreign invaders. Their bigger problem was in their heart. Who is going to deal with the sin of the heart? And only an atoning Messiah could deal with that. You could kick the Romans out. You can get the Medo-Persians out. You can kill off Nebuchadnezzar, but we still have a sin problem. As Daniel prayed in Daniel 9, Oh God, forgive us, Israel, for our sins that have taken us into exile because we have forgotten you. So they sought a righteousness apart from faith. They sought a righteousness around Christ, not through Christ. They sought an acceptance with God based upon performance. How are you doing in winning your acceptance before God on performance? Do you start each day by saying, I thank the old God that I'm not like this publican, that I know you and I haven't sinned since last year. You know, I, the one that really slays me is that the commandments are positive. You shall love God. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, uh, the one that slays me, and I wish Carolyn was in the other service, is that love is patient. And she says I'm tenacious, but she's never accused me of being patient. And Carolyn, you can be dismissed right now. This is true confession of Valentine's. Uh, And I have to confess to God, I mean, I'm out the door. She said, you're supposed to wait for me. And I said, if you were faster, I would. Uh, I'd open the door if you were there. What are you carrying two children for? Let them figure it out themselves. Well, they're only 18 months. Impatient by nature. I come from a long line. Love, if I'm impatient with you, I'm sinning. If true love has patience. Is that true? I think there's a place in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. I've tried to rip it out, but it's there. It's kind. It's not easily offended. It keeps no ledger of offenses. I know some folks have been offended for 10 years. That it's, their, it's their mark of identity. Someone hurt me. Well, welcome to the club. Welcome to the human race. Or uh, verses like, you shall love your enemies as yourself. I was telling how that uh, Carol and I uh, were having a discussion about a person. And I said, this is one of the most obstinate people in the world. I just choose not to be around them. Is that okay with you? And then one day she's having devotions. And uh, when she told me she had been praying, that's okay, but... uh, in light of everything, she said, I just read something that God just spoke to my heart. Okay. Uh, it just says over here in Matthew 5, what is it to you if you love those who love you? 
I call you to love your enemies, for God gives rain, sunshine to his enemies, and we will be like God if we will love our enemies like God loves those who hate him. Yes, what is God telling you? Well, I, I'm going to be around this person, and I'm going to be good, and I'm going to just try to be as good to them as an enemy, but God is loving towards his enemies. Well, the Lord bless you. Go ahead. My blessings upon you. Don't be preaching to me. What are you doing? What part of the Bible did you read that in? I think Jesus said that. How are you doing with your enemies? And uh, if it wasn't for an atoning Christ and the fact that I have to begin my days by saying, Jesus, you are my righteousness, for I could never earn a right of access to you because I sinned too much. I sinned too much. I don't want to love just everybody. I want to love who I want to love. And whatever my love is, basically, it's got to be fairly reciprocal. You don't want to run around people who mooch off of you too much. There's got to be a give and take. And so he says, if you obey the law, if you love your neighbor as yourself, if you'll have no other gods before you, if God will always be supreme in your interest, you will be free from sin. And then Christ says, I'm going to go for your thought life. If you even want the guy to be hurt, you're hating him. Uh, if you even want to, the lust for something that's not yours, whether it's human beings or things, if you want something I don't want you to have, you're guilty of covetousness, which is sin. So it is not hard to indict all of us. And then we get under this satanic lie that says, your acceptance with God is based upon your performance. Now, that is man-made religion. I am accepted before God because I perform so well. And that's exactly what Romans 10.5 is saying. If you shall obey God, you shall live. If you can pull off the obedience, I'll grant you the life. The problem is... What happens to you if you can't pull off the obedience? What is the plan? And in that stress, he says, let me show you the only way possible that a sinner who cannot perform perfectly can be right with God. He's going to show you this. I want you to write notes on this if you have to. The first thing, you can be right with God without perfect obedience. And everybody said, Hallelujah. That uh, my, my acceptance with God is upon the basis of another's righteousness. Another's taking my place. That's how you're, you're accepted in the beloved. You're not accepted because you're acceptable. You're accepted because of Christ. We all know that, don't we? But remember, you're unsaved. You've never heard this before. So I'm going to say, sir, uh, you mean you haven't been perfect? You haven't been the best father, best husband? You've been unfaithful? You've been this? You've been that? Right. So you're not a good candidate to go to heaven. Oh, no. No, you're a great candidate. He only died for sinners. And if you're not in that category, this is what I'm telling you. It's not even for you. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even be here. You should be out of the way. But since you are a sinner, let me say, you'll never have God's righteousness based upon your obedience. 
Well, I can do anything God says. That's your problem. You you think you can do what Israel never did. Let me tell you, we've got over 3,000 years of history that says nobody's ever done it. Nobody's ever done it. So, I'm going to tell you, God's offering something to you not based upon performance. Would you accept that? Well, I don't know. Doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard. Are you uh, one of those subprime lending agencies? Are you, do you work at Wall Street? Well, let's go on. Uh, well, well, how hard is it to get this righteousness? What do I have to do? Well, it's absolutely within reach. Look what he says, verse 6 through 8. I want you to glue your little eyeballs on that. You've got to get this. This is a difficult verse. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word or the message that demands faith that we are proclaiming. Now, he picked three verses out of Deuteronomy, just little pieces of them. Starting with right here, do not say in your heart. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Twice this phrase is used in Deuteronomy. And listen to Deuteronomy 9.4. Do not say to yourself, that little fragment that Paul pulls over, he's taking from Deuteronomy 9.4. Listen. After the Lord your God has driven them out, your enemies, do not say to yourself. There's a phrase. Do not say to yourself. And notice the context. The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of... All right. I wonder why he quoted that. Don't say in your heart, first of all, that God is going to give you something because you were good enough to earn it. Not even the promised land is being given because you were righteous. You're getting it because I'm gracious. No, the nations were wicked. I made a covenant with Abraham, but don't claim your own righteousness when you get in the land. Now go to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. Don't you love the book of Deuteronomy? How many of you have ever read the book of Deuteronomy? Jesus read it. He quoted two verses from it to rebuke the devil. If you had to get out of a satanic attack based on what you know about Deuteronomy, do you think you'd get out? Look at... uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend to heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Now go back to Romans. Instead of the word, he inserts Christ. What is he saying? He's telling Israel, God's will for your life is not hard to know. 
God's will for your life is not something that you have to climb the heavens, which are impossible. I've got to climb up to get the Word of God to know what He wants me to do. Oh, or I have to go into the depth of the sea, and Paul makes it the abyss. They were used interchangeably, the depth of the sea or a bottomless pit. I must go way down to find it. I, I must do the impossible, climb up into the heavens to get not the Word of God. He fills it in to get the Christ. To be right with God, you must have Christ. But where is Christ? How can I get to him? God is saying, he's not outside your reach. For you see, I sent Christ down. Just like I sent my word down. And I brought Christ up from the grave. And so, the way you could be right with God is not far away. It's as close as Christ having come down in his death and incarnation. It's wrapped up in God resurrecting him and ascending him on high. He said, I brought him so near to you now. It's as easy to be saved and as close as your heart and your mouth because though I brought him near, I'm asking you to put your faith in him. And if you'll put your faith in him, believe with your heart, which is the core of your being, and then go public with your mouth and confess that he is your savior, I will save you. Is that too hard? Look what he says. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. And this is, this is the message of faith. It's a message that demands that you believe it. The gospel never saves until you believe it. You must believe it from the heart, and you must believe it enough that you'll fill your mouth with it. What fills your heart will fill your mouth. No such thing as secret disciples. No such thing as secret Christians. Like the boy that went off to camp, they asked somebody, he said, well, they were afraid that he'd have all this persecution. He said, did anyone ever find out you were a Christian? He said, absolutely not. I told no one. No one. Are, have you ever received Christ in the heart? He says here, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That word Lord there is the word Yahweh Jehovah in the Old Testament Septuagint, the Greek, used 6,000 times, Jehovah, Yahweh. They only had four consonants, no vowels. So the Jews would not try to say it. So the Greeks came along, and when they made the Old Testament into Greek, they just put the word kurios, Lord, Master. And that's what they made the equivalent. And so what Paul is saying here, if you will believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord... He is God. He is Yahweh. He is master. If you'll say that he's not just an itinerary speaker, not just a nice man, not just a, uh, a, 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 a circuit-riding rabbi, as it were, but God, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you will believe it, and then it get to your mouth. And the primary way it got to the mouth in the New Testament is it got to a baptistry, usually a, a stream 
or lake. They went public at great cost. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, and you're listening to our series called Israel's Past, Present, and Future, taken from a larger set out of the entire book of Romans. So we close out our time together here today on Truth For Today. We would remind you that copies of the series are available for $15 or more. It's an eight-CD set that we're making available to you when you ask for it by name, Israel's Past, Present, and Future. Now, if you would like the entire 47-sermon CD set out of Romans, the entire book of Romans, that's available for a gift of $100 or more when you contact us at 855-833-9864. Your donations are all tax-deductible, and they go to further the ministry here on KFAX. Please remember that. These are donations that we use directly in conjunction with the radio broadcast to make sure that it continues here on KFAX. So bear that in mind as you contact us for these resource materials, or if you're feeling led just to be a sponsor and a supporter of the radio broadcast, we'd love to hear from you as well. TFT sustainers are those who receive our quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and you also have access to Take a Break. It's Pastor Phil's weekly video devotional. And it's all available for those of you who come to us saying, yes, I'd like to be a part of the ministry. I'd like to be a TFT sustainer. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. We'd love to hear from you today. Would you call us? Again, the phone number is 855-833-9864. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.